if if it is the if it's impatient, if you are just dismissive, if you are you know just are, there, are these things happening that people look at you and say they say that they believe in Jesus, and if that's the Jesus that they're talking about, I don't really want it. Is really what hap- you know is really the honest truth of what happened. So what what part of Jesus are you are you advertising? Hey, this is Pastor James Adcock on Next Steps. I'm here with Miss Darby Bell Adcock. How are you doing this morning, Miss Darby? I am doing well. It's been a little while this weekend. Um, some changes after the new year, but it's we're doing really well. Did you think about going into 2023, there, there would be this much change? I don't think I did. I actually, <laughs> when people, for whatever reason this year, when people are like, what's your New Year's resolution? We kind of talked about that last week. I really didn't have one. I was just kind of happy to be like, it was my, I don't know if it's just I'm getting older, but I was like, just excited to go into a new year. Sure. Another day, another day to do get something done, right? Yeah. But actually, funny enough, when you mentioned last, last week, we talked about um, a little bit about what like our intentions, what our, our prayers are for going into the yeah. new year. And uh, Pastor James over here had said that he read he, his goal is 52 books a year. Yeah. I didn't realize that's a, that's a book a week. It's a book a week. Yeah. So I actually just like shortly after showed him, uh, I ordered a few books that I was, I'm super excited about. So I am very excited about reading I, those books. I was excited. I read, I think two of the three of the books I saw. So, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and the one I really enjoyed that I think you're going to enjoy is atomic habits by James clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying James clear is a believer. I don't know anything about him as an author other outside of atomic habits, but if we can put into practice, some of the things he does to build atomic habits, spiritually speaking, mm-hmm. it can phenomenally um, turn our spiritual life to a dynamic spiritual yeah. life. Because I, I find people like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible this year. Okay, well, that's great. That's a great goal. Yeah. And well, sometime in January, they get into the uh, this person after this person and this person. And they're like, I don't. And they just kind of lose you know, interest. And But we set a goal. And we set a goal that's achievable. Yeah. And then that goal continues to increase and get larger and larger. Then uh, by the end of the year, not only have you read the Bible, but you probably gained a lot of insight from it as well. I've really, I, I'm just, I haven't really understood because I am one of those people that bite off more than I can chew. And I'm always like, oh, this, I'm going to do all of this. But I've just been really, it's just been an interesting feeling of, of putting that into practice of these tiny, tiny things. And then it doesn't feel like that excitement of like, oh, look what I've done. Like I just, I build those tiny habits and then I look of all that I've accomplished. Yeah. And it's just like, I I don't know. I don't know if it's just like the, the hype is not there. It's just more of like, you know what I mean? Sure. Like it's just, it's a little bit more grounding or settling a little bit of just like, this is, these were these tiny habits and I've, I have, I did, I did the whole bite that I said I was going to do. It just, it happened in a different way than I thought it would. Yeah. You know, everybody, I, there's something about the new year that brings about interest and excitement that it's almost like everybody gets, oh, I'm going to get a do-over. Well, yes, you get a do-over, but you get a do-over a year later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a year older, yeah. um, hopefully a year wiser. Yeah. Um, and we hope that the mistakes we made in 22 won't be the same mistakes we make in 23. But if we find ourselves there, I, I even thought about the scripture last week, a righteous man falls seven times but rises again. Yeah. It's... I've always heard it this way. It's not that we're going to fall. It's how long are we going to stay down? Yeah. And each of us are human beings and we have human tendencies. I call, I call them the bends, human, human bends. You know, we're all born with this bend toward, you know, so maybe someone has a bend toward 
you know, addiction to alcohol or someone has a bent toward addiction to drugs. And I know there's arguments about people. They would say, well, you know, you can stay away from that. Yeah, I understand that. But once someone kind of gets in that environment, they just kind of have this natural bend that can like, ah, that I really like this. Yeah. And it's just not those two things. There's many, you know, there's many other things that we have bends toward. And yet it's through the power of Christ that we can overcome any of those. Yeah. And I always think of this too, you know, of where, wherever it's going to be different for everybody, but you know, whether you're saying like, Oh, I get, to, I get a do over and I know for, you know, it's a do over, but I also, I also think it's a, I'm, I'm building this year. Like sure. for, for some of us, it might be like, Oh, I, I feel like I have a few things under my belt and now I want to build on some of the stuff that's there. So I always think that that's always a good way to look at it too. And I think it's interesting. We started this way because one of the things we've been trying to do on Sunday mornings this year, 2023, in this series, Blessed to be Blessed, is we've been trying to put our feet in the shoes of Jesus' audience on the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many of them, obviously not thinking about New Year's, but I wonder how many of them listening to Jesus had the same feeling that you and I are talking about, like having excitement, maybe starting over. Yeah. Maybe God does love me. Maybe God can use me. And maybe setting goals in their minds, like, man, I'm going to... I'm going to go to the temple. I'm going to go to the synagogue twice a week, you know, type thing. Um, So there's these ideas that we have sometimes like this is all brand new, but this is probably something that every generation does. It doesn't always happen in New Year's, but it can happen because someone like Jesus speaks a message and boom, life changes. I, I guess that's one of the prominent popularities of TED Talks. No, oh, for sure. No. And I, I always, you know, I know it feels like that boom were changed, you know, and I, I'm working with a lot of kids lately. And, you know, I think for some of kids or some people that are like, well, how does that like boom happen? Like, you right. know, how, like what, like, what am I waiting for that? Like, when does it happen? What does it feel like? And I, I always think that's, it's the shift that happens, right? Sure. Like we hear what Jesus is saying or the, the people at that sermon on the Mount of what is it? Ble- like blessed are the yeah. poor in spirit and yeah. anything that Jesus was saying, I just imagine instead of that, what feels like a boom moment of like, Oh, I'm different. Really what happens before that is really that shift of like, Oh, like I should be kind or, you know, whatever, whatever that is. I think we all go through shifts and whether you're, you know, you want to do over of like, man, I really didn't get it that, you know, this last year or wherever you're at right now of, you know, just having that shift is usually what happens of, and then that action comes of like, I really do need to be more patient with my family. You've probably heard the phrase death by a thousand cuts. Mm -hmm. Well, what if we had change by a thousand shifts? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, and it's, it's slow. It goes back to James clear atomic habits, but it's these slow, methodical, um, deliberate shifts that eventually we've done a complete 360 if we, if we've stayed with it, Yeah. you know, it goes back to the yoga ex- illustration we shared before of how, how am I going to be, how am I going to get into yoga? Well, James clear says, well, put on your yoga pants or get out the yoga mat, you know, sit on your yoga mat, watch a, you know, watch a five minute do, you know, yeah. and boom, boom, boom. By the time well, a couple months later, you're doing full yoga, uh, um, workout and you're just like, Oh, I never thought this would happen. And you love it yeah. and you enjoy it. And it's not like something you're like, Oh, this is just another chore. Yeah. You know, and be careful here. We don't want to add check marks to our life. Totally. I, I think it's so easy to feel like you're checking you know, but I, you know, when we're talking about yoga, even just even like what we've talked about of next steps of we're just, we're building these things on of, and all of a sudden of like, we talked about at first, like just take that just five minute step out from your family. If you can sip that coffee, just have a moment with God or whatever, 
whatever that is, are you building a little bit more of that intentional devotion time? And that we're not talking again, oh, I did the coffee, I did the devotions. It's just about building, mm-hmm. building and on to what we have and making those shifts so all of a sudden look at our look at our alone time with God right now. And, and I think we're talking about the audience that Jesus was preaching to, but I, I think a lot of these shifts that you are referring to I would think probably happened in the intimacy of the 12 mm. where Jesus has the rabbi sitting, whether it's a campfire around a meal or walking on a trail and not to be linger our Israel trip over and over and over, but there's so but much I think we learned from it. But the idea was the rabbi was always in front. Mm-hmm. The closer to the front you were to the rabbi, the more conversation you got to have, mm-hmm. the more you got to hear, the more questions you got to ask. And, that was intentional. Yeah. And you, in, if you've watched The Chosen, which Dallas Jenkins, director, has done a, a fabulous job of doing, you'll notice every time they walk, Jesus is in the front. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, Peter, James, and John are up there, too, if you, if you can start figuring out which of the disciples are there. Yeah. But you notice a lot of the, the deep conversation, a lot of the things that take place is intentional on Jenkins' part because he's, he's following a, rabbi, a, a rabbi's kind of format. Totally. And, and so you wonder how many shifts took place on those walks, oh, those yeah. meals, and and late nights. Just for a little, you know, fun fact that what is the saying? Like it, it, and we're talking in rabbinic terms. So again, Middle Eastern way is very different than the Western culture. Very different way from, I mean, pastor pastor is different than rabbi. Sure. Right. In in different cultural ways, and maybe we can kind of go into that. But in the rabbinic way, teacher of the law of the mm-hmm. word, right? Um, just fun fact. So they, there's a saying of you always want to what is it be in the dust of the rabbi yeah like basically like you should be so close that as they're walking the dust is kicking up off their feet like you should be just as close and that dust is right yeah and one of the things that i mean obviously george was kind of our rabbi for those few weeks but terry Mm -hmm. she she kind of brought the rear yep so she wanted to make sure people didn't get so far behind that they got kind of lost so she was constantly trying to push people so where, where George is leading from the front Terry was pushing from the back to make sure everybody could be as involved in that per yeah. se dust as possible and that's a shepherding term as well if you guys kind of remember some of the stuff that we t- talked earlier yeah. that was a shepherding format that is used in the Middle East a lot it's it's interesting because you bring up pastors and rabbis and people probably don't look at them they probably think they're polar opposites but really the the key word of pastor shepherd yep and um, now if you get into evangelists, that's different. You get into missionaries, it's a little different. But but I think it re- really always boils down to how, how are we going to shepherd people? Mm-hmm. And I've never been an evangelist, so I really can't speak in the essence of, you know, I've always heard evangelists, you know, they blow in, blow up, blow out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's fine. And you say, well, where's the shepherding in that? Well, I think they have an opportunity to come in. And kind of like a kind of like a sheepdog, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they're barking and they're getting sheep in line. Like you need to do this, and you're gonna start doing this. You know, that's kind of the job of the of the evangelists and missionaries are there, and they're like, I want to go shepherd people that you as a church may never go to. And yeah. then, of course, then you have your pastors, and they're like, I want to shepherd this this group of people. Totally. And 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 by the way, that that's probably been the number one reason for me personally, and I can't speak for other pastors, why I am where I am, mm-hmm. because. If it was about going to um, different churches with different pay or different uh, benefits or bigger city or, you know, these these 
if, if I was like a lawyer, if I was like, you know, a, a different occupation where I, I look at, and I don't mean anything bad about those occupations, but I look mm-hmm. at occupations as what is the best job I can get in the, in my occupation. Yeah. And as a teacher, if I can get $20,000 more a year at this school compared to this school, mm-hmm. maybe it's something I really consider. Yeah. And I'm not saying pastors wouldn't consider twenty thousand dollar raise yeah. across a year, but what I'm saying is the 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 common ground for me personally has always been this is where God has called me to shepherd. So it's not about the income; it's about how do I do this to the best of my ability. And that's something yeah. I think 2023 I'm really trying to get ingrained into. Yeah, no, I think that's great too. And you know, it, shepherding just doesn't mean just for pastors it's used in there but like you you're shepherding your families you know you're shepherding the people around you like how are you tending and pouring into your family the people around you and Mm -hmm. how are you being patient with people that's shepherd you know how how are you you know kind of that's i i just i I totally agree and because i've asked sometimes too of you know for those of you who are just jumping into the podcast or kind of know this has been I've moved here for like a year. Right. I've had some que- beautiful town, you know. That I just I come from a different town, and I just have some questions. I've asked I've asked of you of why have you stayed here this long? Because it's been seventeen years, or now are we eight, at eighteen? Uh, we're now? going into eighteen. Going into eighteen. So you know, when somebody's there that long, I I just have questions of why why have you stayed? You know, and so we've just kind of talked about that, and just to kind of I've seen not only the shepherding beforehand with you, but I think we talk about Israel, we're still, that's really gonna be a thread that you just continue to see through this podcast yeah. um, because it was just so monumental that we wanna come back and bring that here too. Um, but I've seen that even just with the people here and learning. Um, I feel like I was never an evangelist, but I did have that kind of template. I was with that performing group um, and touring. So when I would just get to go, I was with kids and people for three days. And then it would be like this huge, like life-changing thing, positivity. And then, um, and then we would move to the next place. So it's been so new for me to be in one place, to go through some ups and downs with people that happen when you're shepherding. Um, So I just feel like I've gotten to watch that and learn from you and be a little bit more settled. I think it's funny. Sometimes we think, oh man, I wonder if I I could get on a plane, if I get my car and I could go to a different church every week and preach to different churches. And and I don't know what, if, if you're, if you're really if you're booked up as evangelist, you know what that means 48 weeks out of the year or whatever it is. But imagine you're in, a, say you're in 40 different churches throughout the year. And and as a pastor, I'm like, oh man, that would be so awesome. But then imagine evangelists be like, oh, if I could just stay in one place, that'd be so awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it comes back down to what has God called us to do? Yeah. And like, like you said, you know, okay, you, you were in a special group, music, kids and three days, and then let's go to the next city. Mm-hmm. And that's what the season of your life was. And I look at Jesus' ministry, predominantly a lot of his ministry was in the Galilee area. I didn't know this. And to- totally, like, if you look of where Jesus' ministry was, I mean, what what was it, the circumference, or like what? Yeah, just... Or the mileage, I should yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't, I don't recall myself, but it, it's kind of small in comparison to, you know, the full region. Yeah, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but didn't know it was a shock to me because I you know Jesus's ministry that you talk about of all these stories like you just imagine like the the spread of of Jesus's name mm-hmm. how that went he his ministry was was 
really small just just in the area that he was it blew my mind when we're on the sea of galilee and obviously they don't have houses like we do on Mm -hmm. our waterfronts but that's just not part of their culture but decapolis pagan Mm -hmm. right uh tiberius herodians and i I might be getting these wrong but just we we pointed in different directions herodian zionist essence you know pagan and And that for the just for those of uh, that means just that that group of people was over there. This group of people was over there. So when you're reading the scriptures and it says Jesus was in Decapolis, now we're like, oh, wait a minute. He's in pagan territory. Mm-hmm. Or he, he went to, you know, Philippi Caesarea. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, that's the that's the place of the pan mm-hmm. where they went and served gods. And what's Jesus question there? Yeah. Who do people say I am? Mm-hmm. Who do you say I am? And he's it, like, he's he's. Again, we're talking about shepherding, but it's almost like Jesus specifically. And if we don't understand, if we don't understand the geography of the Middle East, we miss out on some of the intricacies of Jesus' ministry because we're just like, okay, he was in Decapolis. Yeah. But Jewish people didn't go to Decapolis. Mm-hmm. If you went to Decapolis, you were pagan. Yeah. And there were pigs there. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And I don't. But we're like, oh, what's the big deal about that? I eat pork every day. Well, yeah, but Jews didn't. Big, yeah, like the and and just again, you know, we've talked about the culture, we've talked about geography, and I know for some of you guys, you're like, I don't, I just want to read the Bible, and yeah. you know, if that's where you're at, that is okay. But if you are looking for something to go deeper, and what we again, next step, so we as simple as if your next step is just stepping outside to have alone time talking to God with your coffee, um, or but if you're looking for something deeper of paying attention to geography again is a part of the way that we understand because. I, I'm just astounded again from being, when we say going, going to Israel, but studying the geography of the land. Again, like you said, Jesus Jesus went to the Decapolis, right? Decapolis. Yeah, yeah. And those that sentence right there, bring, it, it brings up so many other things of, oh my word, that's what this means. So the things that you have read, if you've read over and over, maybe you've been walking with Jesus or Jesus for quite some time and you've been in your word the word is still living and active even for you. And oh. these are some of the ways and tools that, that God works through. And this is why it was so interesting to me when I was preparing for the, the blessed to be blessed ser- series is Matthew four. And I think it's 23 or, or verse 25. He says, and they came from Judea. They came from Galilee. They came from Decapolis. Mm-hmm. And and what Matthew is doing is I think he's like staying in, in essence, like we were on the sea of Galilee. And he said, they came from here. And I'm pointing for those who who are just listening, but here here in these yeah. different directions, and 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 Matthew's like, who is you know in essence yeah. maybe like this crowd, who is this Jesus that so many people would come and hear what he has to say? And yeah, and again too, just to just to widen our eyes a little bit more of like the, just to and let the text widen too of just the way and the tone that Matthew could be again we're speculating but could be writing in is again of like just as he's saying that it could be like when we're reading of he came from here and here and here and here's the story but again it could be like but the, they were the pagans. All of these people mm-hmm. are coming here, and this is who Jesus is. Who did Matthew write to? Do you know? He wrote to what group of people? I should say. Wasn't it? Wasn't it for the Jew? No. It was. Yeah. Absolutely. So he's writing specifically to the Jews to prove Jesus is the Messiah mm-hmm. of that the Old Testament and the law talked about. Mm-hmm. And we kind of we kind of drew in a little bit on that yesterday. I didn't get didn't get to hammer that home any, but you know, it's this essence that Jesus said, I haven't come to destroy the law or the prophets. 
Now, the law would have been the first five books, mm-hmm. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, mm-hmm. Talmud. Um, the prophets would have been the rest of the Old Testament as they have known it. Yeah. And so Jesus, I haven't come to destroy. And the word destroy in the, in the Greek there is to loosen, mm-hmm. bring down. He said, I've come to fulfill. And he, mean, and he said, I've come to magnify it. I've come to complete it. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, in essence, when he stands before these people on this mountain, and, he's, and, and Matthew's writing this, he says, think not that I have come to, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. He says, I have not come to destroy. I have not come to loosen. Mm-hmm. I've come to fulfill. I've come to show you who I am. I am the completion of the law. I'm the completion of the of the Old Testament prophets. So fast forward just with me for a little bit. Matthew, staying, staying in um, Matthew, Jesus is on the road of, I think it's Luke, but Jesus is on, is on the road of Emmaus. He's talking to disciples. They don't know it's Jesus. What does he expound to them? Hmm. He says, let me show you who Jesus was through the law and the prophets. And the Bible says their heart burned within them because they had not connected the dots. Mm. I've shared with people that I I follow specific Jewish rabbis who don't believe in Jesus. Mm -hmm. They believe in the Torah. They believe in God and the essence of God of the Old Testament, but they don't believe God has sent his son yet. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, they say, well, what's the difference between what I believe and what they believe? I've just been able to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. And they're unwilling to do that. But but I share that because there's so much history that they can give that I don't I don't grasp until they say it. And I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. But but I say it makes sense because I, I connect it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. They say it makes sense because it connects to the Torah. Mm-hmm. So and, and and so I share that with you because I'm I'm just like, here's here's doing this. Here's another example of that. So Jesus approached by the by the young ruler. And he says, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus goes back to the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. The Shema, mm-hmm. and the new commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And so now we have the Shema of the old. We have the Shema of the new. And, and, the, and the idea of the Shema is it's the prayer that, that is given. That I'm going to love God with everything I have. I'm going to love people with everything I have. And Jesus, is Matthew is illustrating this to Jewish people and Matthew specifically says, not just, I want you to know that Jewish people are sitting here, but there's pagan people sitting here. Yeah. There's Herodians sitting here. There's Zionists sitting here. There's Essence sitting here. They're all hearing the same message because Jesus is for all people. Yeah. And what does that, like, what does that mean for us? You know, we kind of, and just how do we, what, what we do with the Bible is, you know, we always ask, you know, the, I know some of us know this and some of us ask questions of, you know, is, uh, is the Bible for us today is something that often comes up. And what does that tell us? Again, just like that of pagans who were, you know, a lot of that was sinful nature that, yeah. you know, just all, and then the, the people of the law, you know, all these people came to hear Jesus. So that it doesn't matter if you have been wayward, if, you know, if you've been really struggling with pick it you know does it whatever it is jesus is for you even if it's you know you are just looking for something deeper you know you're looking for a friend your family has been destroyed you know whatever it is jesus is for all people and uh, i just kind of i kind of want to go back to you mentioned we were talking about um just going back to the shepherding about call like you were called to this area and we're just talking about like jesus's call like the calling on our lives and just kind of talking about yesterday we talked about 
our identity in Christ. And we've kind of been talking about that. And just, I, I wanted to kind of talk about like, how would you know if Jesus is calling you? Mm-hmm. Like when it's so easy to be like, well, I'm called to this area or I'm called to do this. Like, how yeah. do we know? And, and some of the steps that we take is a knowing who Jesus is, figuring out more and more of who is this guy, who is the is this character, the savior of the world. And then a lot of that, that, that calling of our life, some sometimes is is very intricately um, connected to just I don't know who I am, Jesus, but I'm I'm trusting you. Yeah, uh, I I think you hit the nail on the head that because um, our the idea and the concept is well, Jesus calls me. What if he calls me to Africa? Well, what if he does? But many times Jesus calls us to something that fits within our our behavior. Mm-hmm. Now. I under there's someone oh no I, I know Jesus doesn't call the equipped he equips the called totally but that comes within time and it comes back to what you're saying do I trust Jesus enough to change me if if it's to necessary to to go where he's calling me to go and I think this was the process of the disciples three and a half years of change three and a half years of transitioning and even when the darkest hour came they still failed yeah but who was who was there to restore them mm-hmm. interesting fact Jesus comes to Peter and Peter hasn't denied him three times, but he says, Peter, when you're, when, when this is done, go restore your brethren. Mm-hmm. He knew Peter was going to fail. He knew all the disciples were going to fail, but he used the one who probably felt the worst about it to go and restore the others. Yeah. And that's just what Jesus does. That's a trust that he has with, with, um, with the people. Mm-hmm. So trust kind of goes two ways. I trust God that he's going to put me there, but I also trust God's trusting me to do what I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. So, but yeah, it's, it's, those are great questions. And a lot of people, a lot of people get stuck in, well, am I, or am I not? Well, you know, I always say you never know until you put a foot forward mm-hmm. and maybe that's a little bit too simple, but it's, it, if you sit, if you sit on the couch all day, just always wondering, 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 you're never going to get nothing done. Yeah. No, I don't think it's too simple of just, you know, what is that next step of just kind of asking yourself, like, what what might Jesus be calling you to? And I know I always go back to, I just want to, you know, for our listeners who are just like, I work, I can't do a lot, but maybe he's just calling you to talk to him a little bit more. Of yeah. just, just talk to him a little bit more. Are you being called to um, be more of a servant? Are you being called to be more patient with your family? You know, whatever it is, take that one step of just... That I, I just think that's so great of just taking that one step. The calling that God has on our lives is not always glory. Yeah. You know, it's not always going to be seen. Mm-hmm. And it might be like, God's called me that every time I go into a parking lot, I take all the grocery carts I can up to the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what good does that do people? Well, it helps. That's serving. Yeah. God's called me to bring coffee to my coworkers. Mm-hmm. God's called me to be kind to the, the most unkind person at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things are not glorified. Those things are not seen, but God sees them. And and so much more. I forget where it says, but just the so much more is going to be our glory in heaven for that. Yeah. You know, on this earth, it's you know, it's it might not be seen. It might be seen, but you know, someday when we do get to heaven, I mean, I just that's when we're going to hear that. You know, good, yeah. well done, my good and faithful servant. Jesus, hey, you fed me when I was hungry. I think that's where you're heading. Mm-hmm. And well, I didn't feed you and. You clothed me when I was naked. I, I didn't clothe you. And and Jesus, no, no, when you did to the least of these, you done it for me. Yeah. And I think that's, I think there are going to be so many people in heaven. They're going to be blown away by the rewards of the most common people 
of, yeah. our, of every generation, you Absolutely. know, and we think about the Peters and we think about these high profile people that we hit quote unquote, put, you know, we kind of, I don't want to say put on a pedestal, but we kind of high and hold in high regards. Cause like, man, he, she, man, they were a person of faith and great, yeah. but that doesn't mean there aren't those same people in our generation today. Oh yeah. And a lot of those things with, you know, Peter or all these people too, I just can imagine again, like you said, those three years or three and a half years of, of just time. I, I just can imagine that we just talked about at the, at the beginning of those tiny habits, those spiritual habits or being at Jesus's feet of just learning and building and building and failing and then building and building. Yeah. And that, and then all of a sudden, what do you look at? Oh my goodness, look at this person of faith. And we don't say that of, you know, it's not, that's not like a, a lofty thing to attain to, but when we do say that, of one, you know, one day that we hope that people will say that about us, you know, yeah. are, are people saying that about you? I think, yeah, I think one of the questions, I forget if it was last week, but just what, what, what Jesus like is? Are people seeing Jesus in you? Maybe that's the question yeah, for this sort, week. Yeah, what sort of Jesus do people see in you? You and, know, and I think we ended last week with. Um, you may be the only Bible people read. Totally. And maybe we end this week with what 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 sort of Jesus are you advertising? Yeah, because sometimes you know, some of the, we talk about a lot about church hurt on this podcast, and a lot of that you know, say if you if you are a believer, and if you know, t- talking about what kind of Jesus are you showing and advertising, if if it is the if it's impatient, if you are just dismissive, if you are you know, just are, there, are these things happening that people look at you and say they say that they believe in Jesus, and if that's the Jesus that they're talking about. I don't really want it is really what happened, you know, is really the honest truth of what happened. So what, what part of Jesus are you, are you advertising? Are, is, is it the kindness? Is it the heart of a servant? Is it being patient with your family? And hopefully those, those are the tiny shifts, even if it's on this podcast, if it's, you go and read a little bit more. And again, that, 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 uh, just boom, that quick change doesn't happen. It's just with that tiny shift of, oh my word, I, I've hidden this in my heart and I do, I'm going to take the next step of even though my kids are driving me bonkers or, you know, whatever, I'm not kind to my aunt or my sister, whatever it is of, are you that tiny shift of, am I being, I'm going to choose to be patient. I'm going to choose to have a better tone. And those are just examples of just those tiny things of being patient with the baby puppy that's at our feet right now, (laughs) you know? Yep. Whatever it is, are you what what kind of Jesus are you advertising? So let us know if you have questions or comments. I'm Pastor James. This and, is Miss Darby. Yeah. And uh, thank you for listening to the next steps. All right, we'll see you next week. <laughs>